podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to an EPL Index Special. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this EPL Index Special will focus on South American stardust. If we look at the history of the Premier League, there's always been exceptional South American talents laden throughout the different teams. And at the moment, it shows zero difference at all. There is talent galore. So I'm one of your normal hosts, Dave Davis, coming to you from a a windswept, clear, but cold Edinburgh, to give it its full description. And coming from the same place, I'm also delighted to say I'm joined by South American football expert and Golazo Argentina writer, Tom Robinson. Tom, how are we? I'm good, thanks, Dave. It's, uh, yeah, like you said, pretty brisk out there, but uh, better than it has been. Yeah, absolutely. So, fingers crossed if anyone in the UK has been suffering through Storm Babette, that everything is sorted now. But we want to talk about a million things South American, Tom. So, we, we kind of we look at the Premier League at the moment and as sure you see that the South American talent is just unreal. It really is. Yeah, it's in other big leagues in the world, but we have some of the best ones on our shores. There's no two ways about it. So I thought we kind of get some of the big questions that are sort of there in the Premier League about South American talents and how it works. And maybe to almost go from back to front, the obvious place to start is in the goalkeeping position because... If people, 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 if we look at the goalkeeping situation this weekend, it's it's been a bit of a nightmare for Raya, nightmare for Sanchez at Chelsea. It's uh, not been going particularly well for Onana at United, and there's been a few others suffering, let's put it that way. However, Tom, when you go to the South American players, I mean, just look at the quality, like Alisson at Liverpool, Edison at City, Martinez, the World Cup winner at Villa. This might be a simple question, but difficult to answer. Why are all the best goalkeepers South American? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's an interesting one, really, because I think there's always been a bit of a myth or a stereotype around South America as being a bit dodgy, maybe not good on crosses. Obviously, a bit eccentric with the likes of Rennie Higuita and and Schiller yeah. there in, in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly Brazil has got a, a long line of really successful goalkeepers. You know, Dida, Julio Cesar, Tafarel, all, you know, been fantastic keepers. And and right now they are blessed with two of the best keepers in the world. Um, and they're both playing at two formidable clubs. They're consistent. You know, for me, I think Alisson gets the, the edge. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on the Anfield Index, but he's... For me, he's he's the, the better goalkeeper. Obviously, Edison gives you that ball playing ability um, as, as well. But um, yeah, I, I think it's something that certainly in Brazil they've had a, a really important history with goalkeepers who are technically really sound, who have really big personalities. Really, yeah. you know, they they can deal with the, with the pleasure, uh, pressure. Um, obviously, these days it's it's you know more important than ever to be good with your feet but i think brazil in in all the years i've been watching uh, south american football have, have always had that long before it was the the norm in the premier league yeah i think that's fair especially and i'd probably agree with that word that was the one i thought about personalities characters like 
you see Alisson, he is a leader for Liverpool, he's that strong personality, you know, a family devoted religious man. See, Edison, so, so confident with the ball at his feet. I can't think of anyone in world football as a goalkeeper that that is in, in that nature. And Martinez obviously comes in for a bit of stick now and again through his antics, <laughs> but the one thing you would say is he does not suffer for confidence or personality. So, yeah, it does seem to be the the dominant area, shall we say, for goalkeepers. And even like for, for just transfers, because I'm sure you've seen this or talked about this, Tom. Brighton at the moment are almost heralded, aren't they? They're the model, you know, the way they do their business, transfers, the signings, who they move out, who they bring into the replacement to place them. Sorry, almost a, a conveyor belt, as it were. Now, the one thing that people are saying, you know, almost or fans say, how do we replicate? How do we become like that? Again, it may seem a, a simplistic thing, but isn't it fair to say a large part of Brighton's strategy is to go direct to the South American market? Isn't that fair to say? Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's certainly partly the, the truth there because, you know, South America has always been somewhere that clubs in definitely in Europe and and more so recently the Premier League have done, you know, Brazil and Argentina, some of the highest exporters of players in the world. I think with what Brighton have done that's really um, impressive and, and needs to be underlined is where they've gone in South America. So they've gone, you know, to Ecuador, Paraguay, smaller Argentinian clubs, um, you know, obviously with Caicedo, McAllister, Enciso, yeah. um, Buenonote as well. I think they're, that's what they're doing really well in terms of those untapped markets with big potential at lower fees. You know, with among sort of people who cover South American football, it's a bit of an in-joke where you say, you know, if this Colombian or Uruguayan was Brazilian, they'd be worth 10 times as much. And I think Brighton have cottoned on to that and thought, wow. okay, let's go for these these nations that are producing good young players, not necessarily even, you know, picking out unexpected diamonds in the rough because someone like Enciso, he's been talked about since he was 15 or 16 and, and is clearly the standout Paraguayan talent um, of, you know, of his age group and, and many around him. So it's not like that was a, if they just paid, you know, a, a little bit of attention, then then they're picking out the very best of South America, but maybe not from the, yeah. the flashiest countries. And I think it's also when they've taken the plunge in terms of getting them nice and early, uh, when most clubs would probably prefer to see them do it for a couple of years in Europe or just not be able to offer them that pathway into first-team football. Um, so I think that's more how they've dominated a different section of the South American market. And you see them, you know, their transfer strategy in general, whether they're going to Scandinavia, Poland, Japan, Belgium, wherever, they're not conf- confined themselves to obvious markets. Um, but they've, what they've definitely done is, made themselves a really attractive destination for South Americans and and I'm sure they'll they'll dip back into that market and, and pick out some other good players soon. Yeah, absolutely. And well look at the rewards they're reaping from it as well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if um if any Prem clubs do rival them, shall we say, in that type of area. We want to keep an eye on. And I mean e- even with players that we talk about in the Premier League, I mean there's there's two almost contrasts for me. So Julian Alvarez and Richarlison. I mean, people could, I've seen someone quote it the other day, I saw it on Twitter, a backup for Man City. But just to be clear, 
Julian Alvarez is a top-class talent, isn't he? I know that phrase back up for Haaland doesn't necessarily make him a bad player, but Alvarez really is a top-class talent right now, isn't he? Oh, he, he's absolutely brilliant. I think that maybe you could you could potentially have, have referred to him as a backup last year, but this this year, especially with the absence of De Bruyne and, and a couple of other players, maybe not being fit or or in good form, he's really stepped up and just he's one of the most sort of versatile, intelligent um, players who can be creator as well as finisher. I think you know. Being able to dovetail him and Haaland into the same squad is is not necessarily an, an easy thing to do, but it's definitely bringing out the best of um, of Alvarez this this year. And he he's someone who, you know, he, even going into the World Cup, you know, you wouldn't have classed him as Argentina's main man because of Lautaro's great form before yeah. that. But but he really you know stepped up when he needed to, um, and even with Lautaro in great form for Inter. You know he's not a guaranteed starter for Argentina anymore because of just how quickly Alvarez has adapted to elite level football. You know he's someone who, when we saw him breaking through at River Plate, even when he was sort of struggling for goals initially, one thing that always stood out was just his really intelligent movement, his pressing, his intelligence, and he felt like a player who could slot into the European game really well. But yeah. even up. Even I didn't think he would go on to um, be as as brilliant as he has been so far, and and even for a backup, you know, a supposed backup in his I think in his first year in all all competitions for City, he had something like seventeen goals and four assists. So you know that's that's not too bad for a supposed backup. Yeah, no two ways about it. And like you say, even this season he's had big impacts for them. It just it's interesting the way he's denoted, almost like saying the Premier League is almost a. A backup, yeah, he's a World Cup winner, well known in South America. <laughs> yeah. Almost the the one I think is a a contrast to that is I look at Richarlson, obviously the the Spurs former Everton forward. He's he seems to be, and obviously you can correct me if I'm wrong, quite a regular for Brazil in their lineup. Yet almost to say it's not gone the best in the last few years, has it? In the the Premier Leagues, just seems a real contrast between. Loved by his country, maybe not so much loved over here, or rated maybe the right phrase over here. I mean, why do you think there is that contrast with that player? Well, he's—I think he's always been the type of player that you love him if he's your player, but you hate him if you're playing against him. Um, and I think he really acts up to the kind of the villain of the piece. Um, but off the pitch, and I think this is quite important for his certainly for his standing in Brazil. He's he's a really nice guy, really friendly. Um, he's also compared to a lot of the Brazil squad, a lot of them who endorsed Bolsonaro. He was one of the more outspokenly left-leaning footballers. And I think a lot of the Brazilian football fans and public really related to him because he was doing a lot of off-the-field activism and charity work. He's spoken wow. out against racism, poverty, uh, police and gender violence, uh, LGBTQ plus rights, environmental destruction, you know, don- donated a lot of... Um, medical supplies to people in, in Brazil. So he's seen as someone who really cares about Brazil. Um, you know, you could maybe maybe compare it to to Rashford in terms of the the stuff that he's done off the off the field as yeah. well. Um and I think it's one of those things that as soon as he's not playing well for his club, people jump on his back and um, you know, question where his focus is at and, and things like that. So I think rightly he's come in for criticism for his performances since moving to Spurs. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that as, as well as being someone who rubs up 
opposition fans the wrong way. You know, Premier League fans like to see a big money player fail. They, you know, they become an easy target, whether it's um, Maguire or Havertz, Mudrick, you know, with Nunez, you know, if they cost a lot and don't deliver or are perceived to not deliver, um, then social media labels you a donkey and, uh, and that's the thing. But certainly I think for Brazil, he offers a different kind of forward because for all the amazing attacking talent they've got, a lot of it's kind of out wide, you know, Vinicius, Neymar, Rodrigo, they're guys who like to sort of drift in from, from the flanks, whereas Richardson yeah. kind of fits, uh, you know, a more physical, someone who can, you know, win aerial balls, who who run around quite a lot, um, because there aren't a ton of great Brazilian number nines at the moment. Um, so I think, you know, there's sort of always space for, for him, for for Gabriel Jesus, um, Bobby Firmino, obviously, as well. Um, but no no one's really nailed down that centre-forward role. So I think I think that also sort of plays into into it. But um, yeah, he's he's certainly someone who divides opinion. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How a, a backup and a donkey in the Premier League can be perceived as, you know, of, well, our World Cup winners and starters for Brazil. <laughs> but yeah, the contrast on the shores, eh? And I mean, I was... I think when we're talking about the influence of the, you know, the, the South American players, I was thinking about this, but you could almost build now a South American almost one to eleven, couldn't you? Out of players in the Premier League, there is pretty much a, almost a one to eleven. All positions, of, all teams in the Premier League have got someone who will qualify, haven't they? We could literally build a one to eleven of South American players in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, more than that, you could almost build a whole squad of them now. There's, I was, I was sort of thinking about this earlier as well, and I mean, even we've already discussed that the strength and depth in in goal between Martinez, Allison, and Edison. Neto's not a bad keeper either, and you know, he he could be another one. Um, I think, you know, if I was to do a, a one to eleven, obviously my Villa biases means that I'd have to go for Emi Martinez in goal, yeah. but um, I would I would happily have Allison in in between the sticks as well. You know, you could have uh, Estupinian um, from Brighton at left back. I think he would get into probably a lot of best Premier League yeah. teams as well. Um, Romero and Gabriel would be, you know, a, a good centre-back partnering. And, and that's not even including the likes of Lissandro Martinez, Thiago Silva, Diego Carlos, Marcos Sanesi. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of um, Argentinians, Brazilians at centre-back there. Yeah. Right, right back's probably the only area where it's pretty weak. Um, you know, you're probably having to choose between someone like Emerson Royale or, or uh, Gonzalo Montiel. Um, not that's probably the the one area. But other than that, you know, in midfield, you're absolutely stacked for options like Alexis McAllister, Enzo Fernandez, uh, Caicedo, Guimaraes, Douglas Luiz, uh, and that's wow. you know, and that's just you know, you could easily pick a midfield three of any of those five, and and that's not even mentioning. Paqueta, Casemiro, Bentancourt, <laughs> you know, there's there's tons there. And, and up front, I think, in terms of a, who you'd probably pick in a front three, I think, for me, the obvious choices would be Luis Diaz, Gabriel Martinelli, and then Julian Alvarez, who we've already mentioned. But again, you've got, you know, tons of tons of good players, Darwin Nunez, Richarlison, um, Almiron, uh, Enciso, Anthony, um, you know, uh, there's and there's plenty more on top of that as well. So you've almost got a 
yeah, a, a full squad, and and I think that starting eleven would would probably compete with with most teams in the league. Yeah, no doubt about it at all. Yeah, it's pretty much long story short. If you want to be a successful side in the Premier League, you need good South Americans in your squad <laughs> history, and it tells you that insane. And one thing I, I did want to ask you about as well is naturally there's the the talents that we know about or get the the biggest headlines if we mention some of them as well. But you can always find, especially with the the players that sort of go up a level, creep in. There can be ones that were almost sleeping on, shall we say, or a bit unsung. So there's just a few I wanted to ask you about and then see if there's anyone you think that that fans could be missing a trick on as well. I mean, I know this will play to your Villa bias, but <laughs> understandably, Douglas Dewey seems to have, you know, his record now at Villa Park, consecutive games. He was linked for moves in the summers, but, you know, for Villa fans, he didn't go. He does seem like almost to have gone up a level. You know, he's playing so well. But he's not a Brazil regular by any means. Why do you think that is? What's sort of, you know, holding him back? Or could it now be his time even, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I, I watch him week in, week out, and it it baffles me why he's not at least in the squad. I mean, I think you could even make an argument for him him being a, a starter, even even if he's not a, a regular starter, because he's he's got a bit of everything to his game now. And the, especially since Emery's, uh, joined in the last year, he's added goals to uh, Luisa's game as well, which was probably the one thing that that he was missing. But you know, he's he's super comfortable on the ball, as you'd expect from any Brazilian. Never yeah. panics, very tidy, but he can find inc- incisive passes as well. He can he can he's not necessarily super quick, but he can he can dribble past uh, people. He's physical. He gets stuck in if he needs to. Um, he's got a very good set piece delivery as well. Um, you know, scoring a, scored a couple of goals from corners last year. Um, and you know, he's, he's become Villa's designated penalty taker and, um, and yeah. he's shown against West Ham at the weekend that, you know, he can, he can hit them from, from range as well. So he, he's someone who I think has been around the, the setup in the past, certainly at the under 23 levels. Often it was um, him and Guimaraes who who were in the midfield too, which you could definitely see happening as as Brazil kind of looked to rejuvenate after a a, a bit of a poor last uh, window, yeah. um, losing against uh, Uruguay and drawing against Venezuela. Um, you know, there's so with the increased basis for the World Cup, there's no way they're not going to qualify, but they're they're not being as imperious as as they once were. Um, but yeah, he's he's he can fill in at so many different roles that he would be such an asset to um, a, a tournament squad because, you know, the amount of times before where he would kind of be the sitting midfielder who could just drop in, allowing the fullbacks to bomb forward, which obviously we know Brazil, Brazilians like to do. Yeah. Um, that that was a role that he's done a little bit for Brazil. But I, th- I think as a, a pure sitting midfielder, he's he's a little bit wasted and, and you know he needs to be allowed to, to sort of link play and, and and get going. And I think put him around good players, and and you can see how much he's come on and and, and matured. And yeah, he's what he's one of the most loved players at Villa Park now. Yeah, absolutely. It will be fascinating to see if he can almost not hit that level, maintain it for how long, and obviously that will play a big part in Villa's potential success there as well. And the other one I was sort of signposted. It's Brighton, I know we've talked about Brighton and, and their business. It seemed that 
maybe I'm wrong, but a lot of the fuss or the the sort of headlines were around Ansu Fati and getting him on loan from Barcelona. But one that I might be wrong, but maybe just skating under the radar a bit was João Pedro. Obviously, signed him from Watford. I mean, it's almost like a young player that's been heralded for a while. There's been a bit of fanfare around him, but maybe there isn't too much known about him, shall we say, unless you are a, a Brian fan. Do you think he is one that people could be sleeping on at all in the Premier League? Yeah, I, I think he's he's been a bit of a slow burner. I, I think there's still a lot more to come from him. Um, I mean, I remember watching him when he broke through at Fluminense as a 17-year-old back in, it was around about sort of May 20, uh, 2019. And he had this incredible run of scoring about eight goals in seven games and and, and Watford wow. acted really quickly to sign him on a pre-agreement. Um, and then obviously moving across to the UK in a team that chops and changes managers and the players, <laughs> it's it's always going to be a bit difficult. And, you know, he's he's now kind of, after a good season in the Championship, I mean, not, not a season that you'd necessarily say, wow, you know, this is the next big young thing, but, you know, a, a decent season. Um, I think he's now got that experience under his belt where he's still, I think, only 22 or, or so. And mm. he's got all the raw materials, you know, always has. He's, he's tall, he's quick, he's strong. Definitely felt like the transfer fee that Brighton paid definitely raised a few eyebrows because, yeah. because you know, he's talented, but is he, you know, that talented when, especially when you've got someone like Evan Ferguson coming through? But it feels like, He's he's kind of a a good option who's who's probably a bit of an upgrade on Danny Welbeck in terms of a similar style of of player who can drop and and link uh, the ball, but has probably got a bit better finishing um, skills and is obviously a lot younger. And and just knowing that you can kind of take the pressure off Ferguson's you know admittedly broad shoulders and and not put everything on on him to to be scoring week in and week out, and then when inevitably Ferguson does go for, for big money, um, as I think we all expect. You've got a very good striker there who's who's settled. So I think it's a clever move. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's it's just part of that next level of development for Brighton as they not only pluck cheap foreign players from abroad, but also, you know, start spending like a club that's wanting to be pushing for European competitions um, on, on a year-by-year basis. So he, he's one that I'm I'm not sure is, is going to be a star necessarily, but um, I, th- I think there's there's definitely room for uh, to improve and develop. And, and, and who knows, uh, I think I'll trust Brighton's uh, recruitment more than, more than my own uh, opinions. Yeah, to be fair, they have got a, a good record of evidence there to back it up at the same time. So yeah, we'll be interested to see if he does kick on or what level he gets to, so to speak. I mean, looking around the Premier League, I know we've we've mentioned quite a number of South American players there. Is there anyone you kind of look at personally and think Premier League fans could just be sleeping on, underrating, missing, going under the radar, anything under those categories at all, would you say? Yeah, I think probably the one player who who fits that bill more than others is, is probably Danilo at Nottingham Forest. Um, he was someone who was absolutely brilliant in Brazil, won back-to-back Libertadores with Palmeiras, um, despite being a very young age. And and again, a, a bit like um, Douglas Luiz, he's, he's kind of a mixed midfielder who can who can do the sitting role, but can also get forward, 
maybe not quite as polished and, and smooth and silky as, as Louise, but some certainly someone who can get forward and and contribute in the final third as well as being very positionally intelligent and and liking to get stuck in. And he was definitely someone I was thinking would go to a certainly a top half club, maybe even yeah. a, a European club that was in Europe. Um, so I thought that was quite a big sign of intent from um, from Forrest. And, and I, I feel like he's someone that once he's settled in a bit more and could could easily be picked up by maybe just a team higher up, high up the Premier League rung or, or, or something like that. And, and people would start to notice a little bit more. You could potentially throw Joel Gomez um, at Wolves into that mix as well. Um, yeah. Someone who his style of play is one that kind of inevitably goes under the radar because he's just doing the simple things, you know, getting stuck in, breaking up play, moving it around. Um, but again, I, I think he's someone who's settled in into English football a lot quicker than I expected, and and was always very good at Flamengo as well. So, so those are probably the two players who I think don't have a huge profile. Um, but the fact that they haven't sort of bombed out um, shows that they're kind of yeah doing well and will probably kick on at, at some point soon. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if uh, we're, and this is no this is not digging out any Forest or Wolves fans who are listening, but almost to a, a bigger team, shall we say, or if one of the, the bigger clubs do swoop in for them because they are real talents, those players. And I suppose the the final thing I did want to look at was especially when we're talking about young talent, it just seems that, the Premier, again, the Premier League, almost next-generation players, as I, I think they're called, almost next-gen, isn't it? That United have got a few, Palestri, Garnacho, I think, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, apologies, but Spurs got Veliz, I think it is, the young mm-hmm. Argentinian striker as well. You've got Murillo coming in at, at Forest, the sort of centre-back, which raised a, a few eyebrows. There may not be this many, Tom, but... Is there a sort of three to watch or up to three to watch that you think could really sort of take the next step, you know, really shine, be in sort of grab a few headlines in that regard that are in the Premier League at a young age already? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you certainly mentioned one of them, Garnacho. I think he's got bags of talents. Um, questions maybe about his attitude at times, um, but he's made a big impact of of quite limited minutes and he's very highly regarded in Argentina. There's been quite a few... Um, or quite a big push to locate players who could be eligible for Argentina and and kind of incorporate them into the system because he was someone who who grew up in Spain um, and I think was at Atletico Madrid before before going to United um, and may have even played youth level football for for them. So the fact that they've got him was definitely seen as a, a big coup and a lot of people kind of think he could be a a long-term replacement for, for Angel Di Maria. Um, so yeah. big boots to fill there, but he's got, you know, he's got the look of someone who could create headlines, probably good and bad, but um, he's certainly someone who I think is, is going to be a, a real star in the making. It has a huge, huge ceiling. Um, in CISO, we've, we've mentioned he, he's probably well known enough now that he probably doesn't qualify as a, as, as a next gen star, but I think he's, He's someone who could who could be a, a big player for Brighton and someone who could make yeah. a lot of a lot of money. Um, probably on keeping on this theme of Brighton, I, I do really like uh, Buonanotte. Um, he's a he's a really clever, silky midfielder, 
um, who maybe hasn't had as many opportunities as as some of the other young players there. But um, I think he's probably someone who could could really boost his his profile in the years to come. Um, played very well in in Argentina as as just a teenager, and again someone who's already being incorporated into the national team setup. Um, so those probably are, are three. I'll also throw in John Duran from from my Villa point of view. Um, he's yeah. got absolutely everything um, in his locker to be a, a really, really uh, deadly striker. You know, he's, he's come through um, a, a very good uh, Colombian club for producing young talent called Envergado, um, who also had James Rodriguez when, they, uh, when he was younger, uh, Juan Fen- Fernando Quintero. Who some uh, people might remember from from the world, one of the World Cups, um, and he's yeah, Duran scored a great goal against Palace, and and he's he's contributed um, off the bench. So I think um, he's he definitely could be um, someone who people haven't seen a lot of, but is is certainly looking looking really promising. Yeah, it's just great, especially like you say, you name the two from Brighton. It almost feels like in a few years it'll be rinse repeat, won't it? As they sell them <laughs> to an absolute fortune to one of the big boys and then go and pluck an unfashionable or unheralded talent from South America. It's just crazy. And I suppose I kind of like, as I said, that will be the final question. The only other one I did want to, to ask you. Um, we hear names and those of us who don't watch South American footballs, and I'll probably be butchering these, but... Vita Roque, Marcus Leonardo, you know, all the all the mm-hmm. superstars. Who, If you had to sort of pick one off the rank, the next sort of special, special talent, so to speak, who should we put sort of a, an exclamation mark against to keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Vita Roque, um, you know, is, is phenomenal. And I think he could be that long-term number nine solution for Brazil, obviously due to go to Barcelona. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see how he he does there. Um, but I also, for, I mean, Argentina being my kind of area of speciality, um, Valentin Barco, who's who's a player who's been linked with both Brighton and Man City, um, is looks like a really really special talent too. Especially when you consider how few good fullbacks that Argentina um, have been producing. He's he's a left back who can can also play further up. He he also is very happy to drift inside, like most kind of modern inverted fullbacks. Yeah. Um, and he's again someone who we've known about for a few years now, but he's he's finally been given a, a good run in the Boca Juniors team that has has got to the Libertadores final, and he's just shown time time after time how he's just absolutely loving the biggest occasions and and sort of taking important penalties, you know, doing tricks and skills against um you know really really good opposition in in high pressure um moments and i think again he's one of those players that you look at and he, and he feels like he would suit the elite european uh level game as well just with his comfort on the ball his um yeah his athletic abilities um and yeah he he's someone who should be will always be exciting but the fact that argentina uh, in need of, of renewing their their left backs in in the coming years, it makes him even more kind of interesting to watch. And then with the under seventeen World Cup um, coming up in, in in a couple of weeks' time, I'll also point to um, uh, 
Echeverri, the the little devil as he's known, one um, a River Plate youth product who who I expect to have uh, a good tournament there. Um, so yeah, n- a nice sort of classic Argentinian number ten who um, is really really highly re- uh, rated, and, and I think along with um, yeah Garnacho and, and Prestiani, who's at, who's currently at Vélez, but may well be moving to Benfica in January. Um, they're they're kind of the three exciting Argentinian. Um, wide players or number 10s that that people should keep an, an eye on in the years to come. Wow. Just, yeah, insane, especially a, an Argentinian number 10. There's been a, a fair history of those, let's put it that way, <laughs> in that regard as well. So, yeah, some real talents. And ladies and gents, we hope you enjoyed a bit of South American stardust, all the information, all the downloads. So all it really leads me to say is a couple of things. First of all, Tom, Thank you as much as ever for the information. It's much appreciated, sir. My pleasure. Always good to come on and, and talk to you. Um, so, yeah, happy to chat South America whenever you want. Yeah, and something tells me that January not being far around the corner, there will be plenty to discuss as transfer time wraps up soon enough as well. Ladies and gents, that was South American Stardust for the EPL Index. Sports Social Podcast Network.